All right, guys, and welcome back to the episode of Fly Cutting Podcast, episode two of 2024, as we are headed uh, to the Sony. Um, I'm obviously Chris, back after an absence from last week, was not able to join uh, Byron and Ian last week, but listened in and, and they produced a good show together. Um, so Ian, coming off a week, one one uh, course in Hawaii, now we're a hop, skip, and a jump over to another course, and we have a brand new guest. So I'll let you kind of open that up and intro our new guest. Yeah, man. Uh, solid week to the to start the 2024 season. Good to have golf back, of course. And, man, back in the swing of things. It's exciting to have uh, the feedback that we did on last week's episode with Byron. And now we bring on another all-star from the Rotoballer crew, uh, our boy Joe Nicely, the lead man over there at Rotoballer, co-host of the Turn Podcast, does all of our lead work and editing over there on the side of Rotoballer.com. So, Joe, it's been far too long. We've known each other for far too long to, to be the first time recording together. But, uh, brother, how you doing? How the – how the golf season treats you last week, and uh, yeah, just general thoughts on the uh, on the Century Tournament champions. Yeah, man, doing great. I'm, I'm glad to be on with you guys. I appreciate you and Chris uh, asking me to be on. I'm happy to do it. I, it's a tough act following Byron. So you know, it's when you're making these rounds, you don't want to be going on after that guy. He's, he's so awesome, and and uh, we're so so glad to have him over at Roto Baller. Glad to have you on the team over there as well, Ian. But yeah, man, it was a fun, fun start to 2024, and glad to be with you guys for the Sony. I love the Hawaii swing. Um, always love Kapalua. Um, always love the Sony. So had a good DFS week. Uh, it's kind of what I focused on last week. Um, the Century is a pretty tough tournament to bet for me. Um, I like like some of the longer guys, um, but Morikawa broke my heart the year before last, I guess. So I'm I'm kind of gun shy on on Kapalua, but I'm going to have some outrights this week on Sony, which I know we'll get into, but just, just really excited, man. always love this time of year and, and love these couple of events over in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not the only one brother. Uh, Colin, Colin's, uh, Colin's delivered us our fair share of heart shake, not just our heartbreak, not just last year, but we had him at the, uh, the hero of the year. He blew a six shot lead. So he's my favorite golfer on tour, but yeah, he's cost me a fair few, a uh, fair amount of money. Uh, so back to back second places, and Kapalua for us. Um, glad to hear you had a good week. I know Spencer and Byron both made money in their respective articles, break the 100. Uh, Spencer did turn on matchups, did really well. I tailed a few of those. Um, so, yeah, good start for the to the year to the Rotoballer crew. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can keep that going at Sony. This is a tournament that I've had a decent amount of success at. I feel like it's a golf course that, you know, we've been coming to since 1965. We've pretty much flushed out Wiley as an entity, I feel like, on the PGA Tour. Everyone's kind of figured out the optimal skill set around here right it's position off the tee you're gonna hear a lot of kind of proximity ranges from 125 to 200 that's kind of short to middle irons and obviously kind of putting on fast to grass greens those are my three key stats that i outlined in my monday article for the site joe when you kind of assess wildlife for, as a as a better right because you you obviously delve a lot into the dfs uh space and and obviously it's very important to have the have your finger on the pulse of the general consensus maybe find some contrarian options, find some arbitrage options. But as a better, obviously, it doesn't really matter how many people are on the side that we're on. It's just important that we get it right. Um, do you kind of just fall pretty much with the crowd in terms of the, the general diagnosis of wildlife, or do you think there's maybe some things that people are missing in their betting handicap this week? Yeah, man, I'm. it's a it's an interesting event to try to handicap. Um, for some of the reasons you mentioned, it, it's kind of open to the whole field. Um, this week we've seen – 
you know, we've seen some great players win here, but we've also seen some kind of off-the-wall guys um, pop up and win this, win this event. So um, an old-school golf course, kind of a plotter's paradise. Um, as you mentioned, fairways and greens make a lot of putts. Um, so I, I think you're right. I think people have kind of got a really good handle on this event. Um, pretty solid field this year. Um, so I'm kind of taking an approach of trying to find some value. Um, you know, I, th I think there's some numbers out there this week. Um, I, know, I know we're going to go through the board, but there's some numbers out there that, that seem like good value to me. Maybe guys that aren't perfect course fits, maybe that don't check every single box, yeah. Um, but but that, that stand out as good values to me um, in this field. So looking forward to get into it with you guys um, and hear your takes. Yeah, for sure. And and I am obviously and we'll get into the odds board here in just a second. But um, yeah, especially this this time of year, I feel like is a is a pretty kind of influx time to be betting golf in general just because a lot of these guys you're coming back off of two three month layoffs from kind of the november december break um you know guys are playing on not different tours over the course of the fall we're getting obviously the introduction of a lot of guys that have you know now are fully fledged members of the pga tour so we have maybe corn fairy tour data on them so very limited samples so just in general it's kind of a different difficult time to model um and so i, th I agree with you i think that leads to the opportunity to maybe cash I bet further down the board because uh, a lot of these, you know, blue chip entities that are 18, 20 to one, maybe aren't as safe as maybe they would be three, four months from now when we have like that, that long-term data set. Um, so I think we'll be in, in decent agreement here. Interested in, in your opinions on, um, yeah, interested on the bets you've already made and, and obviously some opinions on, on some other guys in, in other markets. But yeah, I think that's pretty much going to do it for Wildlife. We're, we're in lockstep there. Um, in terms of the optimal skill set, I'll be looking a lot at also comp course history too. We've seen a lot of through lines between places like Mayakoba, the Heritage, Sedgefield, even a place like a Sea Island or or, or Sawgrass um, has lent themselves to some kind of repeat champions, repeat uh, top tens, top fives on leaderboards here. So if you've been able to kind of plod your way around similarly positional strategic type of golf courses, I think you'll have no trouble this week uh, at Wildlife. So. Yeah, if that's uh, that's all on the golf course, we knocked that out pretty fast. So it's good having Chris back in the fold. He kind of keeps me in check. Um, I'm look, <laughs> looking at the time a lot more than they did last week with Byron. So uh, I guess we'll go ahead and head in the odds board and have some player takes here. Yeah, and just a quick plug for Ian is, you know, we usually spend 15, 20 minutes talking about course and course history and all that stuff. But uh, just link to his Rotoballer baller article that he posts on, is that Sunday night or Monday night now, Ian? Uh, yeah, kind of late Sunday, early Monday. Um, which will give a full comprehensive course breakdown. Uh, that'll give you everything you're looking for, um, for kind of what that course looks like, what Ian kind of projects to be the key uh, metrics that he's using in his model for the course. So um, please go check that out uh, on behalf of Ian. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and, and jump over to the odds board as although the courses are only 80 miles apart, they are very, very, very different. Um, so um, you can't really use last week as a, as a strong barometer. There's a lot of other things to look at this week, but as far as the odd board, odds board goes, we've got three guys under the price of 20 to 1 um, at the current book that I'm looking at. So we've got Ludwig Oberg at 16 to 1, Brian Harmon at 18 to 1, and Matt Fitzpatrick at 18 to 1. Ian, I'll start with you. Uh, which one of these three guys do you have maybe the most interest in and least interest in? Uh, and, you know, did you consider any of them uh, in your betting process here to start out the week? Yeah. Uh, first, I just want to say to Joe that uh, a lot of, you know, both Chris and I live in, in non betting states right now so we'll be referencing a lot of offshores but feel free to kind of just 
Um, so when you get list the best price, the price that you're able to get, um, we encourage everyone to shop around as, as, um, as possible for whatever options they have in their respective area. But as far as the top three here, Obear, uh, Harmon, and Fitzpatrick, it's been interesting to see kind of how the market has fluctuated over the last kind of just 24 to 36 hours since lines dropped. Uh, Obear was pretty much 12, 14 to 1 consensus on, on most shops when lines opened. And he's since kind of been a bit of the forgotten entity at the top of the odds board, which is quite interesting to me. Um, in my opinion, he still carries the highest ball striking ceiling of anybody in this field. And we're faulty RSM that it doesn't really matter. Um, what, what you think the course fit is for Obear, even if it's not the ideal course fit. Uh, I didn't really think RSM was was the ideal spot for him to get his first win, but goes out there and sets a tournament record in four days, shooting 2,900 around Seattle and just shooting the, the grass off the place. So he's he's course-proof, in my opinion. Now, obviously, we're getting a bit of a discount, I think, just due to the, the struggles he had uh, generally at Kapalua, but he ended the tournament strong, um, it, which is kind of a common through line for a lot of guys that struggle to finish 10 under par um, on that Sunday. So gained – 1.5 shots ball striking, 1.73 shots on the greens at Capitol in round four. So he's carrying a bit of positive momentum coming into this week. And um, of those three guys, he he would be, I think, my favorite if we're getting similar prices based uh, compared to a guy like Harmon or a guy like Fitzpatrick. So um, not a click I've made yet. I'm, I'm not completely done my, with my betting card. Um, but if we're getting 16, 18 to one on, on Obear, I think it's always a, a compelling option, but just, especially in a field like this. What about you, Joe? What do you think about these three in Oberg, Harmon, and Fitzpatrick? Any interest in any of those three for you from an outright perspective this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much in lockstep with Ian. I think uh, Obear stands out as probably the best play, certainly the most talent, um, the most upside, probably uh, long-term could could really kind of elevate himself up, you know, probably be a top-five player in the world at some point. It looks like he's got that kind of game. So, <clears throat> I mean, I think anytime you've got that type of talent in the field – um, you kind of have to kind of have to respect him, um, give him a look. But I don't love the course fit, as Ian mentioned. Um, you know, yeah, maybe maybe he does prove to be course proof. We've we've not seen that great proximity, that great ball striking from kind of some of the key areas we want to see um, yet. Um, the strength of his game is, is his ability off the tee, um, which is always certainly going to be an advantage. But I don't know that it's going to be a huge advantage this week. Yeah. Um, so I love Obear. I love the talent. Um, but man, that number is just so tough. I mean, these books are so sharp now. I've, I've probably been in, been in this game a little bit longer than you boys. And I, I can remember when, when these young guys first came up, man, we could get like, we could get like 30, 35 to one for a while, but, uh, yeah. the, the curve changed. Uh, everybody's kind of smartened up. And so it's a tough number for Obear. I, I do like Brian Harmon. Just can't get there at like 18, 20 to one. Um, I mean, he comes in playing great golf, perfect course setup for him. Solid history here, not great, um, you know, but I could see where somebody would want to go to Harmon, but he's just not a prolific winner. I mean, we saw him win the Open Championship, still kind of got that shine on him, and he's played well since. So there's a lot to like about Brown Harmon, but <clears throat> I just can't get there this week, guys, um, yeah. with any of these kind of 20 to one guys. Yeah, there was a chance when lines opened, I think, to get Harmon at kind of that 30, 33 to 1 range where I, I like that a lot for, for a guy like Harmon. He, like you said, when you talk about a short positional Bermuda grass course, this is pretty much all tailor-made for Harmon. But I think that's kind of a common thread for me as well at the top of these these this odds board is, you know, you're getting guys at 18, 20 to 1. Obviously, books, I have to price these guys as somebody as favorites right in this field. But 
you're having to bet guys like Brian Harmon and Corey Connors and Russell Henley at prices that are quite uncomfortable based on their their overall win rate and kind of you know our general opinion on them, on them as players. So for me, I'd I'd rather just take the upside swings with with Obear and maybe one one more guy uh, in the next range. But uh, but yeah, it, it is tough, especially with the options that we we I think we both like down the board to really use up a ton of your outright budget here under twenty to one. Um, and a term I guess it's so wide open. So Ian, I feel like I'm contractually obligated. Like you guys didn't even comment on Matty Fitz. Um, and I did listen to the Road of Dollar show last night, and I'm gonna steal a quote from Byron where Byron said, you know, Fitzpatrick at RBC Heritage, best yeah. approach splits of his career. And yet, like we're not talking about him. So what is it? <laughs> is it recent form? Is it it's is it the fact that he's debuting at this course? Like what is it? What's your what's your stay away? Yeah, I mean it is true, like RBC Heritage is, is one of the common is one of the main courses I'm using as a corollary. I think if um, if you have a positive history around a place like Harbor Town, like it, it should translate quite well to to a venue like Sony. I, I don't really feel like the course fit is, is all that far off. The main problem I have with Patrick, and I kind of went into detail um, on this in the off season, kind of looking through individual proximity splits and where these guys are truly gaining strokes on their approach shots in terms of just various proximity buckets. Fitzpatrick actually really, really good long iron player. Over the course of 2023, he was actually a top 15 player on the entire PGA Tour, gaining strokes uh, on approach shots from over 200 yards. The problem is from 50 to 200 yards, everything basically other than that, he was a tour average or, or slightly below tour average iron player. Around a place like Sony that has only seven holes over 450 yards, only two par fives. It's a lot of short middle irons. I just don't really think he's going to be able to separate with the iron play as much as uh, he would, you know, Harbor Town, although it's a short golf course, the design of it, right, this, the sharp dog legs actually make it play quite a bit longer than maybe the 7,100 yards would indicate. You have a lot of 175, 195-yard approaches there. Um, you know, you think about the three best iron weeks of Fitzpatrick's 2023, Town, Augusta National, and BMW uh, at Olympia Fields. The key through line there, a lot of middle to long irons on those golf courses. I expect the progress needs to be quite a bit closer this week. And and so that steered me away from Fitzpatrick. I still feel like he does have the all-around game. He's one of the best putters in the <laughs> potential to maybe gain you know seven eight strokes putting and find himself in the mix but as a ball striker and particularly at this price i don't really feel like taking a taking a shot there so um i know i might have jacked some of just under there i don't know who who uh what that question was who that question was directed to but you gotta forgive me joe i'm used to this being a two-man show no sure. man pop hop in there I, I love hearing your thoughts and i'm i'm in agreement with you i mean i think fitz is a guy that obviously he's a talent uh, that kind of sticks out in this field but i don't know that it's it's the greatest course fit. I mean, you look, you start looking at his proximity numbers, they're really not good from, from kind of the key ranges that we're looking at. Yeah. Uh, I mean, over the, over the last 50 rounds, he's like, you know, 70th or worse um, against this field, um, kind of in key proximity ranges. Yeah. Um, you mentioned he's making his debut. This, this course is kind of notoriously, notoriously tough on, on first timers. I don't think we've had a first time winner here since Russell Henley in like 2013. Yep. So, you know, like over a decade uh, since we've had a, had a player making his debut win here. So, I mean, Fitz can certainly go out there and win. Um, we know he's a talented player, but he's just not a guy that I'm, I'm getting behind at this number. Yeah. All right. Let's move on then to the, we've got four guys listed at 20 to one now on the book that we're looking at. Actually, one of them literally just changed as you guys were talking. Um, so, um, but I'll throw it to uh, to Joe here first. We've got Chris Kirk at twenty to one, Corey Connors, Russell Henley, and Terrell Hatton all at twenty to one. 
I know Kirk was the headliner of your uh, course horse article. So um, anything else to say about any of these other guys or is, is Kirk kind of where your conversation ends here? Yeah, man. Um, Kirk's win kind of, kind of took a little juice out of the, the horse for the course article this week. I, uh, I start on that usually over the weekend and which, I mean, you know, I guess you're supposed to kind of toss out last week's result and, and kind of really focus in on, on what you like, like about a guy this week. Um, so obviously I do like Chris Kirk a lot. It's tough to go back to back, man, but he's got an unbelievable history at, at this golf course in this event, kind of saved his career here a couple of years ago when he had a runner up finish, um, while playing on his last start on a, on a medical exemption. Um, obviously turned that into staying on the PGA tour, turned that into winning at Honda last year, winning a, a huge paycheck last week at century. So, um, I'm sure that Chris Kirk feels pretty special about this layout and coming back to this golf course um, fits his game perfectly. So, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised to uh, see him continue to play well. I saw his number a little bit better number for me. Um, let me double check and see where we are exactly with him right now because I don't want to get out of whack here. But yeah, you're fine. I saw some, I saw you some 28s. You can find 28s. Yeah, I saw there. some 28s, and, and that's where I'd be a buyer at, at, on Kirk. Um, kind of in that 28 to 30 range. So if yeah. you can find him at 28, um, I don't mind it at all. It's just a little bit scary with him coming off the win, but but certainly a great player. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in agreement there. I feel like a lot of us were kind of had this play circled for Chris Kirk when we kind of saw the field list on Friday afternoon. We saw him playing well at the century. We're like, most likely we're anticipating a guy like Scheffler or Xander to eventually take that turn over. Chris Kirk would finish T6, and we bet him this week at that Sony. Um, but if you look like to, to Joe's point, if you look at like all the underlying stats and obviously his history around this golf course, I mean, the only like quote unquote red flag you could draw is the fact that he won last week at century. And, uh, of course we all know how tough it is to win back to back on the PGA tour. So I don't see any reason to steer away from him in, in a DFS perspective. I mean, if you can get a 28, 30 to one on an outright, I really don't mind it. I mean, he is legitimately one of the best kind of short iron players on the entire PGA tour. He ranks fifth in, in proximity from 150 or 100 to 150 yards. Uh, so the, the underlying stats, I'll, I'll check out for him. They're obviously coming off the win at, at century. So he's flying high. I anticipate him playing really well. Um, but yeah, it, it would probably take a number in the thirties for me to, for me to back him out. Right. For me, I'm seeing numbers on Terrell Hatton drift into the tw- into kind of the 20, 22 to one range. That's probably my, my best look at, to this point of anyone that we've, we've talked about. Hatton was my cover player on my scout in the route and uh, course preview article on, on Monday morning. And look, man, I, I think there's, there's question marks to be drawn with, with everyone kind of under 30 to one in this field. It's not, there's not really like a lock, um, like a lock and key answer. I feel like at the top of the odds board, but when you look back through Hatton's history, um, this is his debut start here, just like Fitzpatrick at the Sony open. But you think about, where he's played well historically. It's a lot of kind of short, positional Bermuda grass golf courses, of course. Uh, came third at the RBC Heritage in 2020. Runner-up at the Players last year. Uh, finished fourth at the Honda in 2017. You've got uh, a sixth-place or an eighth-place finish at the Wyndham in 2022. Eighth-place finish at Colonial in 2019. Those are each his only star of those respective venues. So he's proven on debut that he can contend that these kind of very similarly – strategic positional golf courses, Bermuda grass greens. And of course, got his only ever win on the PJ tour on like lightning fast Bermuda grass greens at, uh, at Bay Hill, which I don't think is a very um, great comp from T to green. But when you talk about kind of why lie as a whole, 
Uh, the greens here do tend to run quite a bit faster than, than we saw last week in Kapalua. So I am looking at kind of faster Bermuda grass splits just in general. Um, and he ended the, I mean, he ended the DP World Tour season uh, last year. Obviously had a really, really nice fall at the Ryder Cup. Um, and then in his last two starts on the DP World Tour at Wentworth in Dubai, he gained a combined uh, 15.6 shots on approach between those two golf tournaments, um, finishing T2 and T11 in their respective events. So I think he's one of the more underrated ball starts. We talked about kind of the, the deficiencies that maybe an Obear and if it's Patrick Havon approach. I did not have those same concerns with Hatton. I think he's when he's on, he's legitimately one of the best approach players in the world. Um, had a more than uh, acceptable enough start to the season of the century. I think this golf course suits him even better than, than last week. So uh, for me, it would be Hatton. Um, now, I, I will say there are some red flags that kind of keep me away from him. He, uh, if you listen to kind of his interviews after the 62 that he shot on Friday, um, he pretty much admitted that he hadn't really done a lot of work in the offseason in terms of uh, on his game or physically. Um, and he, he flew into Hawaii like four days before he's due to tee off um, for the century. So you kind of never know when kind of the jet lag's going to hit and really uh, maybe the body starts hitting the wall. You would, you would hope that he's good through two weeks um two straight weeks but you you never really know and it seemed like the entire week at century he was kind of uh admittedly kind of playing over his head or based over um over his head based on the expectations he came into the to the week with so um maybe not the right mindset that i would like from hatton but i think all the all the numbers on the surface really point to him this week so um yeah certainly my my favorite play we've gotten to so far but i'd be lying if i said it was a it was a complete 100 percenter any thoughts from either your perspectives on Connors or Henley, or do you want to move on to the next range? I like Connors. Um, you, I got him at I got him at twenty eight to one on Bet MGM. Yeah. Um, so I'm in on Connors. That's kind of where I'm starting my starting okay. my board this week. Um, I mean, he's burned a lot of money up for me over the years, but the, the ball striking is just tough to ignore, man. The course history also tough to ignore. Uh, in the Sony since 2019, a T3, and then three additional T12s are better. So the course history is great. The course fits great. We know he's a tremendous ball striker. Um, we know the putting's terrible um, pretty consistently. I mean, that's that's the question you're asking yourself. Can he make enough putts this week to win this thing? Um, we, we know we're going to have to have a, a guy that can get hot. But Connors has actually putted pretty well at Wildlife. Uh, when you when you kind of dig through the course history, he's gained, gained strokes putting on a couple of different occasions. So I think you'll see a big jump from uh, last week at Kapalua, kind of those big, huge, slopey greens, to uh, to this week, uh, more straightforward, flatter, a little bit quicker greens. I think you'll see him putt better. Um, so I'm starting things off with Corey Connors. I, I just think it makes sense for me at that number when I look at, like, Brian Harmon at, like, 20. Um, you know, O'Bear and Fitz down there at 18 and 20. Um, I think, I think Connors kind of leads off that, that next tier, uh, yep. below that, that top handful of guys. So, uh, I, I'm feel pretty good about getting my money in there at 28 to one. Don't mind that one bit, man, to be honest. I mean, honestly, Henley and Connors, it's, it's funny that these are the last two guys we've talked about in this range because from a course fit standpoint, they might be yeah. the two They're most the obvious fits. Yeah. They're the same guy, right? I mean, it's essentially, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're the same guy. The course history is great for both. Ball striking is great for both. Um, putting can come and go. Uh, we've seen we've seen Henley, Bermuda's Henley's best surface, I believe, by far. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but I think historically he's putted, done his best putting on Bermuda. So 
Um, I don't mind either one of those. It's it's almost a toss up between those two for me. They're they're essentially the same guy. It's kind of preference there. Yeah, and and Connors is actually we we've kind of talked about a lot of guys that had struggles last week at uh, at Kapalua, whether it be Olbear, whether it be Fitzpatrick, who finished in the bottom five on approach on the week. Uh, Henley actually had a pretty bad start to a season in Kapalua, but Connors. Um, I think was top five in the field on approach last week and, and finished inside the top 15, which Kapalua, not exactly the a golf course that you would think is tailor-made for, for Connor's skill set. So coming to Wailai, the golf course, like you mentioned, four top 15s um, over the course of his career in five starts. So Yeah, yeah. I think he lost like seven strokes putting last weekend. You can check me on that. But, I mean, it was just, just an horrendous outing for Corey Connors on the greens. Um, unfortunately, not unusual for him, but uh, losing seven strokes is pretty strong. I think he gained like two and a half strokes on approach. So, I mean, we know the ball striking's there. Henley yeah. struggled a little bit from tee to green, so that that's kind of what kind of what made me lean towards Connors. Um, you know, in that in that toss up uh, was just Henley struggling a little bit with the irons last week, but I, I certainly expect him to play well. Uh, yeah, play well here. I like Henley, and, and to that point, I kind of like Henley as, as a DFS option as well, just because I think a lot of people are going to be looking at those the strokes gain data from last week and maybe write off Henley off of one bad week. But, man, he's played so damn well here historically at 70. Yeah. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all to, to see him bounce back from a ball striking perspective and, and put together another top performance. So yeah. there's a lot. Of, yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I don't, know if we, I don't know if we really touched on it. Um, maybe you guys, Chris, or Ian, give me your thoughts on it. Um, Big correlation to winning this event with playing at, at, at Kapalua. Yeah. Um, we, we Was it like 11 out of the last 14 winners, I think, played the week before? Yep. Um, so, you know, if you guys put any stock into that? Like, you, does that make you want to kind of – is that a difference maker for you when deciding guys? When a guy that played last week versus a guy that's coming in cold, like off the Christmas break? I think there's certainly something to it. I would also say that Kapalua, obviously, you talk about the difference between the strength of fields between those two events historically, right? The Kapalua is the tournament of the champions, right? It tends to have some of the best players in the world versus the Sony tends to be a little bit of the a little bit of the second course uh, here in the Aloha swing. And I feel like a lot of that is just based on the fact that Kapalua tends to have the better players. So the better players tend to play Kapalua first, go to Sony, um, and have success there. I mean, Siwoo Kim won here last year, obviously not having played Kapalua. Um, so I don't think it's an end-all be-all, but but certainly I think they're, it, it doesn't hurt to kind of, of course, get those competitive reps under your belt. So um, a fair few of the guys that have already bet have have, um, have already teed it up this uh, last week in, in Hawaii. So, um, so, yeah, just generally, I – sorry, you guys cut off. Yeah, just just generally, I I don't put a lot of stock into it, but um, – but yeah, it's it's obviously good to see, especially guys that go out there like a Connors and goes out there and, and gains from T to green, gains an approach, gains in the key ball striking metrics. Uh, you want to have some positive momentum at least going into this week. Guys, I just realized I had the wrong mock on. <laughs> it's all right. I'm, I'm hearing you just fine. Yeah. Did you hear me? Okay, I've I changed to this one now. Is this better? Yeah, no, it, it does sound a lot better. But it it was fine. But it sounds okay. it does sound good now. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the – let's see. We've got two guys at 25-1 to 1 and one guy at 30-1. to 1. Um, My theme of these three guys is honestly three guys that were probably, you know, maybe not the hottest golfers, but really good golfers down the stretch in the fall and all played uh, pretty damn well last week. Uh, we got Eric Cole, JT Poston, and Sahith Tagala at 25, 25, and 30-1 to 1 respectively. Ian, 
Which of these three do you like the most? We're talking about Cole Post and Tigala. Yep. Uh, yeah, another range. <laughs> this kind of goes into the fact that a lot of different skill sets can kind of work around Wiley, but I think all three of these guys have some sort of merit in the outright market. I haven't made a move on, on any of them quite yet, but you talk about a guy in Eric Cole that has been historically, or I mean, over the last kind of six to nine months, has been one of the better iron players and the be- one of the better putters on the PJ Tour. Had a really nice sounding last year or last weekend. That, that is his. That is his history. That is his historical. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> we, uh, we only got like six months of him, but he's he's been awesome. Yeah, I don't I don't have the mini tour stats from uh, from yeah. whatever he's doing down there in Florida, but um, uh, the minor league golf circuit, something like that, the Hooters tour down there. But um, but yeah, I, I think it, it's hard to kind of bet against Derek Cole. I, I do feel like it kind of 25, 30 to one. It's kind of tough to get there in the outright win, but I again. He's proven his floors as high as almost anybody in the game, particularly in a field like this. So I really don't mind deploying him in like a top 10, top 20 facet. But um, unfortunately, maybe some of the scar tissue has gotten the better of me on Eric Cole. I've I've chased it for for a long time, and it, it always seems like uh, he's T7 heading into the final round and only ever goes one way, and it's not the not the right way. So uh, I'll, I'll pass in the outright market, but obviously Cole, um, he, he has one of the better built-in floors. Um, in this entire field. I think Poston would probably be my, my favorite of the three when you just talk about kind of the success he's had historically on comp courses like Harbortown, uh, Sedgefield, the players, RSM, et cetera. A guy that really, really spiked with his irons down the stretch of 2023. Uh, one of the better putters in this field as well, particularly on Bermuda. So um, Poston would probably be my favorite. Again, um, it, it does feel like the price is a little bit too high for me to really uh, – have a strong lead in the outright sense, but um, of the three, I think Poston does carry probably the highest upside. Um, yeah, I, I love Eric Cole. I was I was really close to pulling the trigger, and I might before the before the week's out. I mean, I think you can still get him at like thirty to one at a couple places. Um, the dude's just a baller, man. He's just he's been playing great golf. He's been hot. Um, I mean, you can make the argument that. He's a little bit loose off the tee, uh, which which might put him in some bad spots here. But uh, you know, all he's, three guys are really. Yeah, um, and, and I love Soth. I'm already in on Soth at uh, 33 to one on Fanduel. Um, oh. Grabbed him. I know the uh, that's kind of what I was talking about. Start of the show. Um, it's just really good value to me. I mean, we know the we we know the win equity's there. I don't know how many how many guys you can say that for this week in this field. Um, we know that he's capable of doing it. He, he's a high-end player. The upside is there uh, when things are going well. Now, now, will things go well this week? I don't know. Um, but, but this is kind of where I like to just, you know, bet on talent. 33-1 to one feels like a great value when you look at some of the other numbers in this field. Um, the guy can just get nuclear hot um, with the putter and around the greens, um, which we know is going to be important this week. Um off the tee is a concern, kind of like with Cole. Um, so I don't, I don't think that that Tagala is a perfect fit this week, but I like the value, so so I'm in. Yeah, I, I've, I've historically been a little bit lower than market on Tagala, despite betting him last week. I thought a place like Kapalua was a perfect fit for him, given the forgiveness of the fairways and the emphasis that you have on birdie or better percentage and, and strokes game putting, et cetera. Um, so until he can prove to me he, he can straighten out the driver – I'm just going to be a little bit more embarrassed than him on a week-to-week basis. But yeah. you're right, man. When he pops, he tends to pop very, very strongly. So if you are going to deploy him, I feel like outright's kind of the most 
common sense option to use. I wouldn't really like to go on like a T20 or T40 cents because I feel like the wheels can fall off pretty quick. Um, yeah. But a guy that can go out there and, and you know, make seven or eight birdies in a, in a given round and make it look pretty easy. So, um, yeah. Yeah. We've, yeah. We, we've just seen him do it on <clears> – <throat> we've seen him do it on different courses. Yeah. Um, you know, even though, you know, on paper this isn't a great fit, I mean, we've seen him pop at kind of some – some places maybe you wouldn't expect. I mean, he's got a – he had a T5 at the Heritage last year. True. Um, you know, Harbortown doesn't seem like a great fit. Um, neither does Wildeye, really, when, when you look at it. But, you know, he just – he gets things going. I mean, we've seen him, I think it was a couple years ago, had a runner at finish at the Travelers. RSM. Um, yeah, RSM. We've seen him play well. Uh, we've seen him play well at Riv. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's capable of just getting going um, on the greens, which I think is something we need this week. Yeah. Um, and, and at 33 to 1, man, he's coming in hot. You know, maybe he uh, puts it together this week and takes this thing down. Yeah. I, I, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. It's just, um, yeah, I'm going to, I think I'm going to kind of continue to be a little bit below market on, on Sahith until again. Once he, once he unlocks that driver, I, I, I feel like this guy's kind of the limit for, for Tigala. Um, but man, he opens up a lot of trouble, um, with the driver, one of the worst, one of the worst players in this field in terms of driving accuracy and positional driving over yeah. the course of the last 12 months. So, um, that's my only real concern, but like you said, man, like if there's one guy in this field, that's going to, that could gain eight, nine, 10 strokes putting and around the greens and, and just kind of carry himself there. He doesn't really need to have a stellar ball striking week. If, uh, if the putter and the, the chipping is working like it's capable. Yeah. Of working. yeah I mean, maybe. You know, maybe it's trying to fit a square peg into a round hole a little bit. But, I mean, I think if you – you know, a lot of these guys, if you wait um, until it's the perfect spot or you wait until he gets a win, yeah, you know, he's yeah. he's, he's 18 to 1. So, I'm, I'm going to hop on 33. Yeah. I, I feel you there. I feel you there. And I, I've got some room in my budget. As you can tell, I haven't made – I haven't made a single move under 40 to 1. So, um, I do have room for at least maybe one or two of these guys kind of in the 20 to 30 range. So, I kind of want to use Joe as a soundboard uh, for the night to kind of see where he's at. And uh, obviously the, the betting card will be out tomorrow morning um, whenever I kind of square everything away and, and get all my write-ups uh, set on paper there. But, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of compelling cases to be made. I, I like this range. It's just, it's yeah. tough to differentiate a lot of guys. And for me, just when it came down to it, when it came time to actually, you know, make a decision on the betting board, I, I found it a lot easier just to kind of go with some guys down the board and, skill sets that I believe in and um and kind of maybe take a bit of the discount and, and lean into the variance a little bit more because I like I said I, I don't really think there's a there's a perfect answer here underneath yeah. uh, kind of 40 to one. Yeah, I agree. Well that might be a spoiler alert for this next uh section of guys then as I've got four guys at 35 to one that I was gonna classify as a very boring range because I don't like any of these names, but Maybe you guys will have a name that sticks out to you, but the guys at 35 to 1 are Benny On, Danny McCarthy, Harris English, and our defending champ, Sibu Kim. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's boring. And Ian obviously said he hasn't had any other clicks under 40 to 1, but Joe, anybody in this in this range strike out to you as interest, interesting? No, I'm with you guys. I wish I could spice things up and like have a hot take in this range, but uh, I really don't. I mean, I think a lot of people. Still pretty early in the week. I think a lot of people are going to be talking about Benny on um, and maybe Denny too, because, you know, you love the putting here. Um, the ball striking is a little bit of a concern, but I mean, I could, I could see a world where those two guys get a little bit of steam kind of as the week progresses, but um, just not for me. I, I'm with the end. I'm going above, uh, 
going above 40 the rest of the way. Yeah. I think the kind of the common thread that, that I'm leaning into at least kind of so far um, in the betting week is I can kind of find comparable skill sets here at, you know, double the number, maybe triple the number at some spots. So rather than betting, say Russell Hanley at 25 to one, I think there's some, some guys that are 60, 70 to one that I think yeah. have pretty similar upsides in terms of the ball striking. And if they can figure <laughs> some of that stuff out, then um, he, they can, they can fulfill just as high of a ceiling. So. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, historically on this course, we've seen a lot of guys kind of come out, come out of that range. Right. So, I mean, it's, we've seen these kind of middle tier guys, 40, 50, 60 to one numbers uh, win this thing. So makes yeah. a lot of sense, man, to just kind of, for some value there for really comparable skill sets on a golf course where, you know, everybody sort of has a chance. All right, let's move on then to the 40 to one range where I think this is where things are getting interesting, at least for Ian, uh, as I know two guys in this next range are uh, in the conversation for him, for his betting cards. So we've got uh, Sven dog, Adam Svensson at 40 to one, Brendan Todd and Justin Rose all at 40 to one. And then we've got Adam Hadwin, Andrew Putnam, and Matt Kuchar at 45 to 1. So, Ian, I'll throw it to you. My guess is Justin Rose is where this conversation is going. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if Sven Dog was, had a little uh, spark note here as well. Yeah, I know, man. I, I do like Spencer, and I feel like I did kind of miss the boat on him. I know uh, Spencer talked about him on the Road to Wall PGA show last night at 70 to 1, um, which I, I don't think I've ever had access to a 70. Otherwise, I think that would have been a move I would have made as well. So, when you talk about Spencer's overall profile, it, it, it fits wildly to a T in terms of the accuracy off the T. Um, the proximity range is kind of from 125 to 175. Also a, a better putt on Ramita than than the other two services, Bent or, or Puana throughout his career. He's a South Florida kid, even though he was born in Canada, he went to Barry down here in South Florida, has a lot of experience on Ramita. So I, I do like Spencer this week, but Chris is right. First click of the week is Justin Rose. I got him at 45 to 1. Uh, I think that number is still pretty widely available. Yeah, 45 to 1 both on uh, – MGM and Borgata, according to the odds checker grid. Uh, but again, Rose, a guy that you know was in the doldrums for most of last week um, at Maui. I know I had a first round matchup him versus Jason Day, and that was pretty sweat free as Rose started the the week four over par through his first nine holes, but got better as the as the week uh, went on. And of course, um, fired a, a twelve birdie bogey free sixty one to end his week in Kapalua and really kind of carry the moment forward here in, into Wailai and. When you talk about, you know, a short positional golf course, Rose is – this is kind of where Rose has made his hay over the last kind of four to five years. Um, obviously, his win last week at, or last year at Pebble Beach, he scored seven finishes at 20th or better since 2020 at the likes of Harbortown, Colonial, Sedgefield, TBC Sawgrass, and Sea Island. So, short position off the tee. You can kind of lean into your second shot and your putter where I feel like Rose really, uh, um, really excels and really kind of were the two tools that, that – that carried him forward into being a top 25, top 30 player in the world last year. Um, and then you don't really, you know, we talk about obviously the the bad few days he had at Kapalua, but you don't really have to travel too far back to see kind of glimpses of Justin Rhodes' resurgent form as uh, to end of the year last year, the Hero World Challenge, he gained uh, 4.12 shots on approach that led that elite field, despite it being a 20-man field, but it led the field uh, of the likes of Scotty Scheffler, Victor Hovland, Colin Morcow, et cetera, right on second in that field to Matt Fitzpatrick and Strokes gained putting, gaining 4.4 shots on kind of similar coastal Bermuda greens too. Um, so I just think books have been pretty, have been too quick to kind of shoot him down the odds board um, at 45 to one. I, I value him right alongside the names that we've just kind of talked about at the kind of 25, 30 to one range. I think he's got just as much upside and, um, you know, right our finish here, let hit this last start in 2017. 
uh, proved he's got a fair amount of comfort around Wildlife too. So, uh, yeah, this is where I decided to start my card. Uh, Rose at 45 uh, to 1. What about you, Joe? Agree or disagree on Rose? Or is there anybody else maybe in that range that is a little more interesting to you? Yeah, I, I, lo I love Ian's thought process. I mean, Rose has that pedigree. Um, we've talked about it with a couple guys, kind of, you know, has a history of winning. Um, you know, it's it wouldn't be outlandish to to imagine him on Sunday coming down the stretch having a chance to win this thing, um, even though maybe he's not, not been in his best form lately. Um, but, yeah, I can get behind Justin Rose. I'm really close, really toyed around with Brendan Todd at 45. Um, you can get him to 45-1 to one on FanDuel. I hadn't pulled the trigger yet, but I'm kind of seriously thinking about it. Um, popped up last week on the leaderboard. The irons were bad, but the putting was good. Uh, got Paul Tesori on the bag now. Um, Webb Simpson's old caddy. Webb's played extremely well at Wiley, so Paul Tesori knows this place in and out. Brendan Todd's got a ton of uh, experience on this layout. Fits in perfectly, obviously, a shorter golf course. Um, you know, I kind of always – the the comp for me, there's Kevin Naw. Um, so, you know, Kevin Naw, obviously, former winner here, played really well. Um, and, and Brendan Todd kind of fits in that mold for me. So if I was pulling trigger in this range – um, that's probably where I'd be, Brendan Todd. Yeah. Thought, thoughts on Matt Kuchar as well. Uh, Joe, obviously he popped up a couple of times in the fall. And when you talk about Sony history, I mean, you don't get much better than seventh, seventh, first, 13th, third, eighth, fifth, fifth. And yeah, I, I, I love Cooch, man. I mean, I, I wrote him up this weekend in horse for the course. The, the course history is amazing. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I think you can grab him at about 60. There's some sixties floating around still, I think. Yeah. Um, and I don't hate that number. It's just, gosh, man, I've just been down that road so many times, like top five Kuchar. Yeah. Um, kind of like you were talking about earlier with, uh, with Eric Cole, I think, you know, you, you've got Kuchar, you got an outright, um, he's been around for 20 years and he's won like, I don't even know how many times he's won like eight or nine times, but, um, you just don't know, don't feel like the win equities there. So I just, I kind of get gun shy on outrights on Cooch. I'm sure I'll have a ton in like single entry DFS stuff. Yeah. Um, those playing cash game DFS stuff. If you want to, hadn't looked at the matchups really closely, but if you want to find a matchup with Cooch, maybe I'm just yeah. always a little scared of, of the outright, but 60, 60 is a fine number for him. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say is I was just surprised to see him this far on the board given the, the recent form he showed in the fall and obviously the history he has here. So, he just seems like one of those guys at Sony that just pops up every single year. You're going to see him in the final three or four groups on Sunday. And yeah. you're right. It's just a matter if he can, he can finally close the deal. But, um, but yeah, obviously the narrative very much stuck over the course of the fall, obviously kind of choking away the, the worldwide technology uh, seventh at the Fortinet. So it, it does feel like the top 10, maybe top 20 markets are maybe better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not usually in those markets. Um, yeah. Usually just an outright guy when it comes to betting, but uh yeah, I would I would definitely shop Cooch like a like a top twenty or top ten markets. I I would love that type of bet on him this week. Cool. Yeah, we're in, I think we're in agreement. <laughs> well, hearing that Joe is an outright guy like us just means that Joe has to come back on more often because listen, we sometimes we feel like we're outliers and we're like, no, we don't really mess in the top ten, top twenty market. We're outlier. We're we are outright guys. Um, I, I respect those guys, man. It's just I, I respect those guys so much, and like Spencer and Byron are so great at it, and and. Joe Adoni, um, I mean, those guys are so good at that, but it's just such a grind um, yeah. and for me. And I guess I just like the, uh, you know, I prefer DFS, focus on DFS a lot. Um, lockout routes, I like first-round leaders. They're just fun. 
Yeah. Um, so Agreed. you know, I, I kind of like the uh, I kind of like the spend a little, win a lot strategy. Uh, is yeah. what I enjoy. Yeah, there, there's nothing better than outright sweat either. I mean, the, the sweat equity alone, you're just having a guy in the mix for a potential, you know, 20, 30, 40 extra turn is is worth the price of missing there. But actually, Spencer, speaking of Spencer and Byron, they had a really good um, kind of segment on last night's Road to Baller PGA show about um, kind of some of those auxiliary markets and the kind of finding your niche in the top 10, top 20 matchup markets. And Spencer uh, went on a really nice kind of soliloquy about um, the, the increase in hold over the last kind of few years in those top 10 and top 20 markets are getting harder and harder to find value. That's why if you notice in a lot of his articles, he's focused a lot on head to head matchups and internal matchups. That's kind of where he's uh, had been having his bread buttered over the last kind of couple of years. So, um, but yeah, all about finding your niche in, in this betting market. So many, so many ways to, to go about it. So um, I just feel like I'm, I'm a lot more acquainted with an outright odds board. I feel like I can find value a lot easier. Um, here and, and really all it takes is just the books getting one or two guys wrong and all of a sudden you're sitting on some some solid ev um but uh but yeah all right let's let's keep going on the odds board because um <laughs> this is uh this is where most of my attention has been been had yeah we gotta time. we gotta find some we gotta find some guys that ian's betting on yeah i've only got, <laughs> I got one guy 45 to one we're 45 minutes in the show <laughs> So I did call that 35 to 40 range boring. However, I think it's 50 to 50 range is, is pretty fun. Um, so we've got uh, Akshay, Cam Davis, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, Lucas Glover, Will Zalatoris, and Keegan Bradley all at 50 or 55 to 1 respectively. Um, Ian, agree or disagree? Is it a fun range or am I just wrong? Oh, no. you're you're. This is this is my jam right here, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm starting to perk up a little bit. The Red Bull's kicking in and uh... – we're talking about Cam Davis and Hideki Matsuyama and Will Zalatoris, Lewis Glover, all at 50-plus, 60-1. to 1. Um, I've got a few clicks in this range. Obviously, if you guys read my Scout in the Routen article, you'll know Lucas Glover was, was one of my favorite plays. I, I'm not alone in that, I feel like. I think seeing kind of books open them at 65, 70-1 to 1 across uh, cross mark was pretty was one of the more jarring numbers, I think, on Monday morning. And when you just talk about it again, we've talked about it for, for the entire show here, but positional driving, those key proximity ranges, number one in my weighted proximity model, number two in opportunities gained. Um, obviously one at two kind of correlated courses at Sedgefield. I think Southwind's not a bad auxiliary course too on the Bermuda Greens positional positional layout over there in Memphis. Um, and so I mean, and he just comes off uh, yeah. leading the field in ball striking or leading the field in iron play over at Kapalua, gaining over five shots on approach in a field that included Scotty Scheffler, Victor Hovland, you know, some of the best iron players on the planet. So. Yeah, it seems like Glover's game is, is rounded back into form after a bit of a lull in the fall. And, you know, we're getting a really, really good number, I think, to chase uh, that here there at kind of 60, 70 to 1 uh, across markets. So Glover was a was a, was a a move for me. And then I I found a rogue 60 to 1 as well on Cam Davis, which I've, I made a move on. Another guy kind of kind of similar to Rose, where I just feel like the books have, have been too quick to move him down the odds board. If, if this tournament was getting held, you know, three, two, three months ago, I mean, he was one of the hottest names in world golf. He kind of had a stretch there through the middle of the summer uh, in which he had, uh, you know, seven finishes, a 12th or better over eight starts kind of on the PJ tour uh, had a really nice uh, couple starts there on, on Australian soil back on home soil in the fall and really just had one bad start uh, to start his, uh, his 2024 season at, at Kapalua. Uh, but very much like Rose caught it a really nice round to end this week, 865 led the field in total driving back in round four at Kapalua. Um, and now he returns to a golf course, a really familiar canvas for him. Um, as he's recorded four straight top 40s at Wiley since 2020, finished ninth here four years ago. And, you know, he's 
lap this field or lap this all comers and strokes get off the tee in Oahu. Um, and when you look kind of through his past results, he's historically dominated short golf courses. We've always kind of bet Cam Davis, not on the longer tracks, but when you get to the Wyndham's, when you get to the Sawgrasses, when you get to the Colonials, he has uh, six finishes a seventh or better at Harbor Town, TBC Sawgrass, Colonial, Sedgefield, and TBC Southwinds um, since 2022. And many of the top results that put him on the map down the stretch last season came at places like Shriners, Fortinet, Wyndham, et cetera. So um, eighth in this field, rated proximity for me, sixth in this field from Tita Green over the last six months. I think Davis is being really, really undervalued here at kind of 55 to one. I think there's a lot of upside in this kid. And uh, we're getting him in a golf course that I think suits him better than maybe general public would. would be. Uh, Joe, what do you think? Um, any thoughts on, on, on Cam Davis or Glover or maybe some additional thoughts to add for, you know, maybe Akshay, Hideki, Will, Willie Z. We need to have something on Willie Z, right? I mean. This range, man. I don't, I don't know if y'all are allowed to. We're allowed to curse on here or not. Um, these guys are just—it's it, absolutely fucking maniacs in this in this in this range right here. I mean, it's my guys. Uh, Willie Z coming back. Who knows what's going on? Keegan Bradley, dude's a head case. Lucas Glover. Uh, I mean, these are just my guys. Um, so <laughs> there's a lot of fun. Hideki's a nut. I mean, uh, who knows what's going to happen when Hideki won this event? He led the field in putting. I don't know yeah. when that's ever happened in his career, and I don't look for it to happen again. Maybe anytime ever. Um, so there's, it, it's just, it's crazy, man. I, I, I like Lucas Glover. Uh, I'm with the end. I got got in at 55 to one. I'm, I know I'm going to regret it, but I, I just couldn't, I couldn't pass up the ball striking. Um, yeah. Showed me enough in the fall with the putter. Um, to think, you know, maybe we could we could have a, a good good hot week, uh, yeah. like we saw kind of down the stretch last week. Um, so it, it we're not too far removed from that. And the ball striking last week, um, as Ian mentioned, was extremely encouraging. Uh, Cam Davis, I want to be there. I'm just man, I'm so gun shy. I was in last week and, and it just didn't work out. But the final round was really encouraging. Um, so I think maybe that I always look. I don't know. Maybe it's crazy. I always look for guys that closed out strong the week before. Seems yeah. like a good a good Sunday. Um, kind of sends these guys into the next week with with a little bit more bounce in their step, um, some positivity. So maybe Cam Davis, um, you know, brings some of that into this week. Um, so so I like Ian's call on that a lot, especially if you can get a good number. Um, I love Willie Z. I mean, I've been a Willie Z apologist since he came on the tour. I mean, I think the dude. The dude should have two majors. It's it's kind of a crime that he doesn't. So, um, but I don't know. You know, it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a weak take, I guess, to say I want to wait and see. But I just want to wait and see where he is. Um, yeah. The hero was the hero was kind of discouraging, but you know, the guy had back surgery and missed a year. So, I mean, what what are we going to expect? But it might be yeah. one of those things that that when it finally clicks, it clicks. Um, always prefer him kind of at, at tougher tracks, honestly. Um, yeah. So it, I don't know that it's a great course fit anyway, but I'm glad to see him back, man. I hope we see the real Willie Z soon. Um, that's really encouraging just to see him teeing it up. So, yeah, I love this range. It's fun. I mean, I think you can go nuts. There's some, there's some absolute head cases here. Um, the only one I've clicked so far is Lucas Glover, but you could have a lot of fun kind of picking you a couple – couple guys out in this range yeah i mean 
I agree with you. I mean, I've, I've been to the wall with Cam Davis more times than I can count. So maybe it's just a sickness at this point. Uh, but yeah, I, I just felt like at 60 to one and, and you talked about your affinity for Glover, even a guy like Hideki, you know, if they do hit their best case scenario, I do feel like they're <laughs> just as live to win this golf tournament as guys at 20. Yeah. It's been- I mean, the, the Hideki number is really gross. I mean, right. Yeah. If, we're, if we're talking about value, uh, which I kind of, kind of am preaching this week. I mean, if we're talking about value, I don't mind throwing like whatever you want a $20 bet on Hideki at this number is just nuts. Yeah. So, I mean, I can get, I, I get it, but man, it's just not been there. It's just not looked good. It's not looked right. Um, you know, maybe things change, uh, this week, but, um, yeah. that number's gross and you can say that for a couple guys in this range, but uh, you can, you can make pretty strong arguments that, that there's a reason they're here as well. It's true. It's true. The, the floor is definitely lower for this range. I would say that like, obviously Henley and Connors, like, I feel pretty good about their prospects for finishing, you know, for being around, you know, in that kind of T20, T15 mix. Like, you know, I if Cam Davis goes out there and shoots 78 on day one, I'm also kind of not surprised. But, um, but yeah, the thing with Hideki is, like, he's not all that far removed from being one of the better ball strikers on the PJ Tour kind of all throughout last summer. If you look more of, like, a long-term data set, last eight months, he actually ranked second in this field in strokes and approach, second in this field in birdie chances created. Um and obviously we know about the the phenomenal history he has around here at, at Sony. He's gained 6.6, 7.4, 9.8, 10, 2.1, 7.4 shots from Tita Green over his last six starts. Um, you know, and, and the one the one year of those years where he putted well to to Joe, uh, to Joe's point, he he ended up winning the golf tournament. So it, it's hard for me to look past that 50 to one, to be honest with you. It's it's a number I'm yeah. really, really considering. Um Yeah, it's it's tough, man. I mean, he didn't he didn't have a bad year last year. He didn't have a bad, I mean, he, he had a solid summer. Yep. Um, just a really bad fall. And maybe there's some recency bias coming into play with, with the books and with us. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's not a, like I said, I mean, if you got 20 bucks, you just want to have some fun this week. Yeah. Hold on a deck. I don't mind it. Don't mind it at all. All right. Being that we are 53 minutes in um, and only only the 50 to ones on the on the odds board, I do want to open it up to either of you. Like what what else out there kind of strikes you as, you know, as Joe puts it as a value bet or Ian, maybe some some long shot guys that you have interested in since we have a lot of room to build with this card. Um, Yeah. Kind of open floor. What do you guys have for for the rest of this odds board? I'll start with you, Joe. I've got yeah, I'll just uh, yeah, I've got some guys circled. I'll just kind of hit on them. Um, yeah, maybe maybe awesome. I've been talking a lot. So <laughs> so oh, sorry well. if I'm uh, if I'm making the show run. But no, welcome uh, to fly cutting, Joe. This is an every week occurrence. <laughs> man, I when I, I I just love talking golf. You, yeah. you guys are awesome. So I've I've really enjoyed it. But yeah, I've got got some guys uh, circled. JJ Spawn, I had it seventy five to one circled. Okay. Nick Taylor, Bet MGM, you can catch him at eighty to one. Uh, Nick Taylor's got some good course history here. Um, played really well here a couple times in the last few years. Um, and then when you, if you really want to go up, go nuts. I mean, I got way up there. We're talking like 200 plus, um, just a couple guys, Tyler Duncan. Um, I heard Byron, Byron talk about Tyler Duncan a little bit. And when you look at it, it, it makes some sense at that number, uh, yeah. you know, as much as a 200 plus guy is going to make, um, I, I like Tyler Duncan. So, Tyler Duncan, so a uh, good call from yep. the model maniac on him. Hayden Buckley, I mean, just just going off the course history, yeah. uh, two twenty five to one. 
the fall was horrible. Battled a rib injury last year. Um, yeah. So it's a it's an interesting case study in recent form versus course history with Hayden Buckley. We've seen him play extremely well at this golf course uh, and, and extremely bad everywhere else lately. So, but he's he's out there like two twenty five, two fifty to one. Um, and Nick Hardy had Nick Hardy noted down one of the worst putting weeks I can statistical putting weeks I can remember last week. I think he lost like fourteen strokes putting in. You can check me on that. You're right. It was like, it was like fourteen or fifteen strokes. Uh, he lost on the greens at Kapalua, and that's the worst I think I can ever remember. Maybe Keegan's been there before at some point, yeah. but it's got to get better, man. <laughs> it's got to get better. So uh, he, he's had a couple. He's had a couple good outings at Wildlife. So throwing it out there, Nick Hardy. Yeah, I, I can I can say pretty definitively, Nick Hardy's not losing fourteen point one strokes putting uh, this week. So we are we are due for some positive regression there. Um, but yeah, this, this just goes to show, man, why I've been so gun shy at the top because you you just laid out four really good cases for guys that are deeper than seventy five to one, and I, I have a few more myself. I I like the duck and call a lot when you talk about a guy that has consistently shown up at these positional golf courses. I mean, he has been a, a machine off the tee, kind of over the last three to four months. Uh, gained two point four shots over his last five tournaments per tournament off the tee. Um, has the affinity for big grass. He's already won in plays like RSM. Uh, came third there last. Um, last fall as well, third place of the Honda. So you do see some correlated fits with a guy like Duncan. Spawn is a guy that I've heard a few rumblings about. I didn't really take a, a deep dive into him, but yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy that was very much a contention down the stretch here last year, finished 13th in his last start at RSM, sixth the Zozo, um, fellow Filipino brother. And so it's, it's always easy to talk me to JJ Spawn. And then, um, Let's see. Yeah, Nick Taylor. Nick Taylor, they talked about him as well, uh, Byron and, and Spencer on the PGA show. But, you know, when you can get a guy in the triple digits who won an event last year and finished second at one of the marquee events in the calendar, like Nick Taylor can get as hot as anybody. And, you know, why you talked about the course history there. Um, he's, you know, this this feels like a good spot as any for him to maybe rekindle some of the magic he had in 2023. As for me, I've got uh, I've got four names clicked, kind of past seventy five to one. I'm going to start with Aaron Rye, um, who I who I always love with these kind of shorter positional golf courses. He's one of the most accurate drivers of the ball in the entire PGA Tour. He's significantly raised his uh, his iron play over the last six to eight months. He's uh, he's gained seven tenths of a shot per round on approach in that time span. That's seventh in the field, and he has plenty of positive history around these kind of similar positional venues. I've been talking about all night long. Twelfth at Colonial last year, nineteenth at Sawgrass, third at the Canadian Open, which is a you know, different agronomy, but another short, easy setup puts a premium on driving the Irish and wedge play. Uh, he has three additional top 20s at places like Myco, but TPC Southwind and Sea Island, too. So um, he's making the first start of the year. I uh, didn't play last week at Kapalua, but he uh, he did end the year 2023 on the back of two consecutive top 10s in Cutter and, and, uh, and South Africa. And he finished one up at, uh, at Wentworth last September in, in the marquee event on the DP World Tour, an event that included the entire European Ryder Cup team, players like Tom Kim, Billy Horschel, a lot of... Uh, kind of PG tour mainstays were there as well. So I think Aaron Rye again for, for the profile he presents 75 to one. I, I like that a lot. I also made Alex Horn a bet at 85 to one. Um, a guy that I feel like kind of towards the end of last fall seemed prime for a win, finished third at the, uh, at the Shriners finished second, the Bermuda two kind of short, easier, uh, shorter, easier venues, emphasis on wedge play and, and driving accuracy at both those events. Um, and, and he, Again, he's made one start since his runner-up finish from Bermuda. Hasn't really done a lot wrong. Finished 23rd of the RSM uh, Classic despite losing four shots off the tee. 
Um, notably, though, Sea Island is a golf course that tends to penalize wayward misses a lot more than Wild Eye does. So I do feel like, you know, this is a golf course where he can maybe um, – he doesn't have to have his best off the tee to really take advantage of, of the rest of his game. And uh, when, he, when you kind of filter in for iron playing putting in this kind of range, he's – He's about as good as you can ask for in this field. He's number two in this field in strokes game punting over the last six months. Top 20 iron player in both my weighted proximity metrics and uh, over the last six months, just recent form. So um, I like Alex Noren. Again, a guy that he probably would have been 40, 45 to one in this field maybe just a couple months ago. It feels like books have been pretty quick to, to write him off. And and then just for fun, um, I, I wrote him up in the, in the scout and the routing report, obviously. But uh, my boy Rio Hisatsune, uh, the 21-year-old kid out of Japan. I mean, I've – kind of been going to, to bat for him on Twitter and uh, in my articles on Red Waller. So I kind of felt compelled to, to take a shot here, 120 to one. Um, but 21 year old kid, if you guys don't know out of Japan, he's one of the many kind of young towns coming out of that country right now in the golfing world, entering his fourth year as a tournament professional and already has four worldwide wins. Three of those came on the Japanese challenge tours an 18 year old, but uh, earned full DP world tour status last year off the Japanese order of merits. And finished top 20 in 18 to 27 starts. He won at Le Golf National, which was, you know, the 2018 Ryder Cup venue. He's about to host the Olympics in 2024. He's currently on a string of seven consecutive finishes of 21st or better across the world, including that win in Paris. He finished T6 at the Zozo last fall, uh, eighth and 13th of the two largest championships in Australia, uh, the Handa Aussie Open and the Fortinet Australian PGA. Um, and he also ranked over the course of the year on the DP World Tour, ranked inside the top 10. And both driving accuracy and strokes game putting, which I think are, is a pretty good combination around a venue like what like Wiley this week. So it does seem far fetched for a kid that you know is obviously making his first kind of full full run on the PJ Tour to win on debut. But you know uh, he don't he also added an under the radar top ten finish at uh, the Bermuda Cham- or the Barracuda Championship uh, last summer, as well as a top twelve or T twelve at the twenty twenty two Zozo. So he's got three finishes twelfth or better and four starts on the PJ Tour. So. 20-year-old 20 kid, uh, a lot expected of him in the future and riding some of the form of his life kind of coming in. So I, I really like Rio this week. And then my final click is one I actually share with Byron, 150 to 1, uh, or actually 140 to 1 for me. Uh, Alex Bjork, another uh, European tour guy coming on to the PJ Tour off the uh, off the order of merit. But when you look at his year-long stats last year in Europe, it's, it's, it's stunning that he didn't cr- get across the finish line at least once. He was fourth on DP World Tour last year in driving accuracy. He was fourth in stroke gain approach, eighth in stroke gain putting, and sixth in scrambling, um, which seems like a, a skill set that's tailor-made for Benny like Wiley. Uh, the only real knock he has on his profile is driving distance, which I don't really weigh that that heavily around a venue like this. Uh, finished not, uh, finished inside the top 10 on nine of 23 starts in 2023 and finished second to Ludwig Bear at last year's uh, Omega Masters in September, finished 10th at the Nedbeck Challenge in his last start on the DP World Tour and 18th in the marquee event I mentioned earlier at Wentworth. So um, he's riding some really nice form. The year-long stats look really, really good. I've got pretty high expectations for a guy like Bjork, and he's deep in the trouble did it. So I, I'm i kind of taking the uh, the angle of, of, of kind of some of the newcomers coming in to, to make some waves here at Wildlife. Yeah, you mentioned uh, kind of Japanese Japanese player, Ian. I like uh, Takumi Kanaya is a really yeah. talented young, really talented player. He won five times on the – on the Japan tour. He's not, not played. He's just still just 25 years old. Hadn't yep. played well in the Sony, but he's, he's the former, uh, number one amateur in the world. So, uh, Kimi Kanai is a really talented player. Um, for sure. Looking for a long shot dart throw. Yeah. I, I looked at Kanai as well. The, 
the the main difference I saw between him and Rio was the fact that Rio at least has like Kumi's had a ton of success in Japan, as has Rio. The problem is when he started to travel, whether it be to Europe or America, he's tended to struggle pretty mightily. Um, whereas Rio, at least, you know, even though he's younger, has a has a bit more of just a storied history or a bit more of a, a proven history around kind of the world, whether it be on the PJ tour or on the DP World Tour. But but yeah, no doubt Kanaya, there's big things expected of him in the future and uh still just twenty five. It feels like he's been around for for decades now um, as one of the hottest yeah. prospects. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people kind of kind of got that next to Decky label. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's probably really more of a DFS. I mean, we're probably talking – I'm probably in more of a DFS mindset with him yeah. than an outright bet, but um, talented guy. And Matt Neesmith, too. I just wanted to shout Matt Neesmith out. For some reason, he's kind of popping for me. He's like 175. Um, yeah. He can get like nuclear hot with the iron, so – that's it. No more for me. <laughs> yeah. Once we, talk about, once we talk, start talking about Matt Neesmith uh, winning the golf tournament in 2024, it's, it might be time to shut up shop. But but I, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm seeing the same things with the iron numbers. It's just you're, you're right. At this point in the odds board, we're making some pretty spectacular cases, I think. But um, this, but is, yeah. this is this is an event to do it, man. It's yeah. an event to do it. I mean, I, I think this is we – could, we could really see a, a kind of out of left field. We've, we've seen some pretty by-the-book stuff for the last – 18 months on the PGA tour. Yeah. Um, not a ton of like surprise winners, even when maybe not guys we, we expected you can like, eh, you know, I get it. But, yeah. uh, I mean, we could really kind of see one out of left field this week, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I, I hope so. At least I've got seven <laughs> names on the betting card already. And I, I'm not even, you know, near full exposure right now based on a normal week. So, all right, Joe, man, it's, it's, it's been a blast, uh, having you on here for the last 65 minutes. Thanks for being patient with us um through all my long-winded discussions and uh and soliloquies here but yeah give a quick recap on your betting card give us uh you know obviously where we can find your content and what you're looking forward to for the next uh, few days here at the sony yeah uh all my stuff's exclusively at rotoballer.com um got great tools great team ian's on the team spencer aguiar we've got joe idoni this year byron lindicky the model maniac matt miller i mean we're really building an all-star roster you can find my stuff there as well um, I do a little bit less than I used to, but uh, just to make room for some of these talented guys that are that are so much better than me. Um, so go to rotoballer.com. You can use promo code NICE, N-I-C-E. That'll save 10% on any PGA premium. Uh, we got three different tiers this year to choose from, PGA Platinum, PGA Gold, and Spencer Aguilar has his own tee-off sports tier. But get the Platinum. Uh, that's the best buy. So uh, use promo code NICE for that. Uh, yeah, man, I'm going uh, – Corey Connors, 28 to 1. Saw at the Gala, 33 to 1. I'm flirting with Brendan Todd at 45. Lucas Glover, 55 to 1. I'm in. Um, and then some long shots that I'll probably pull the trigger on. JJ Spawn, Nick Taylor, um, and Tyler Duncan. I, I'm at like 220. I'm in on Tyler Duncan, taking a shot on that. Um, and I'm probably going to throw 20 bucks on Hideki just because I hate money. Oh man, you're you're gonna make me do it now, Joe. Come on now. <laughs> now I've got a now I've got to write up two paragraphs on why Hideki Matsuyama is gonna win the Sony, even though there's nothing in the numbers to suggest it. But um, but yeah, man, it's it's been a blast. I can I can personally attest to that platinum subscription. Obviously, I I've got Red Wall Premium, and uh, if you've been following, I mean, if you followed Spencer and, and Byron's picks alone last uh, last week, it probably paid off your year long membership because they're uh, yeah. they're some of the best in the business when it comes to finding value in all the markets. And man. Two of the hardest working and nicest guys in the industry. So can't yeah, no no joke, man. Um if your listeners are gonna bet a lot of golf this year, this is the second week of the season. Yeah. Um if your listeners are gonna bet a lot of golf this year, that 
they will more than pay for their subscription um, yeah. by by reading your stuff, Byron's stuff, Spencer's stuff. I don't know, man. I I think I did the math on it over the winter. It's like it's like eight bucks a week or something. It's like yeah. seven or eight bucks a week. Um, there's 40, 40 plus weeks of golf. Um, so it's more than going to pay for itself. So head on over to rotoballer.com and, and sign up. That's my, that's my sales pitch. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. It's, it started well in 2024 at Rotoballer. I only expected to get, uh, to continue to grow. And man, like you said, the, the team is growing. It's awesome to be part of, uh, part of that site and, and getting guys like Joe and, and having guys like Spencer, Byron, you, Matt Miller there, um, yeah, it's the trajectory is definitely looking up for that site. So excited to continue to create content. Excited to see what what Zoe Doni has planned for for the site, and uh, just man, continue to to network and and uh, talk a little golf for you uh, throughout twenty twenty four. So yeah, we're we're gonna get Chris over there doing some NASCAR. We're working. There you go. On yeah, Daytona in less than a month now. Or, <laughs> Daytona. Or uh, I might come on and talk Daytona with you boys. Uh oh, there you Done. go. I got a buddy that I got a buddy that loves NASCAR. NASCAR DFS. He he's a nut. He loves it. He he took down a took down a hundred K last year GPP on DraftKings. Well, damn. Uh, yeah, ten dolly two is my boy. He's he he's a NASCAR nut. So I'll I'll tell him to uh, tune in to you guys when NASCAR gets here. But, but thanks, Ian. Thanks, Chris. I I appreciate you guys and and I uh, hope your listeners enjoy the show and have a great golf year. Absolutely. Yeah. And thanks again for joining us and to listeners. Yeah. We'll uh, make sure you play your long shot tickets as you heard from these two guys here. And uh, let's, let's regroup next week with a winning ticket in hand. See you guys.